This is The Serial Travelist. I'm Erin Rackelman, and today I'm joined by my travel partner and husband, Michiel Brinkers. And just in case you didn't get that, Michiel, will you pronounce your name again? Michiel Brinkers. It's the Dutch version of Michael. It's me and eel, and then clear your throat in the middle. Michiel, which is what I tell every American I meet. <laughs> so we live nomadically. What does that mean exactly? Four years ago, we decided to sell all our furniture and let go of our rent-stabilized apartment in Brooklyn. Now we live in Airbnbs in whatever country or city we're curious to explore. The only requirement is that it's in a good time zone for work meetings with the Americas in Europe. This podcast is not going to be simply travel advice. Instead, it's going to document our slow approach to travel. For us, serial travel is not a perpetual vacation, but it's an opportunity to start understanding a community and a culture's values. It's going to chronicle what happens when you decide to start living a life strictly on your terms. This new life we've chosen isn't just an unconventional one, it's becoming a very intentional one. When you pair your entire life down to carry-ons, all of a sudden you've got the mental space to start examining your choices and focus on what's most important to you. Our previous life in Brooklyn had a fair bit of excess. Much to our surprise, now we've turned into minimalists who have a hard time buying anything besides fancy snacks from a fancy grocery store. And we're really into exercise, which is a far cry from our days closing Long Island Bar in Brooklyn. I'll be interviewing other people who created similarly hard to label lives that exist in this murky in-between zone. I'm going to find out how they got there, what keeps them doing it, and why they love it. Today is our first episode, and Mikhail and I interview each other about what was happening in our lives that led us into nomadic living in the first place. I hope you enjoy. Let's talk about how we became nomadic. Do you remember if I suggested it or you suggested it or how we even came up with it? I think that was around Andy's wedding. That ha It was in Portland that it happened. We had a long drive and we were starting to talk about it. And I, I don't know who started it. I'm guessing you just saying, wouldn't it be great if we could travel a lot all the time? And that started the journey of trying to figure out things with my work. And I don't remember the exact moment, but I, I do remember just seeing how much you needed to leave New York. And it was never a situation where you put down an ultimatum or anything. But it was just very clear you needed to leave. And I guess there must have been something of a realization on my part that I had a choice to either be with you or not. And and if I was going to require to stay in New York, then those two things were going to be incompatible. And I guess that helped me take the leap of, okay, 
let's just stay open-minded about where life can take me and choosing you over New York. Um, Thank you. That was nice of you. I was very depressed during that time in New York. I had lost my job unexpectedly. Uh, my job was based in Oregon where I had lived for 15 years and I had a really hard time finding work in New York because I didn't have a network there. And that whole situation caused me for the first time to deal with some really severe anxiety. And it felt like New York was a city that is loud and chaotic and difficult. I think it makes a lot of people anxious. Like I think the city itself, the environment causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of the people who live there. And I, I could see that it wasn't healthy for me. I could see that in order to get over the anxiety, I had to leave. And that's where I was at when all of this was going on. When I wanted to leave New York, did you want to leave New York? No, I wasn't ready for that yet. And I was interested in traveling more, but I, I was traveling more. We were traveling quite a bit together also. For your work. Yeah. But it, it took me quite a while to, I mean, to even consider it as an option, not so much based on what I wanted or not, but just what my assumptions were around work and having to, you know, be in New York and, and be based there. It wasn't a model for just working remotely yet. Even though as a company, we were all already in a lot of remote contact, but it just wasn't how we operated then. But also I was still getting a lot out of New York. I'd only been there for like three and a half years and I was still enjoying it. This brings up, you had never worked remotely. And I think it felt completely undoable to you because I think, well, maybe we should talk about for a minute is your resistance. Mikhail is someone who is very into routine. He eats the same sandwich every day for lunch. And is it okay that we talk about this? Of course. And at the beginning of this, you were incredibly resistant. Back then, you had a very negative attitude about how a lot of this might work. Do you remember that? Not exactly, no. I mean, could see having a hard time imagining how it was going to work. I mean, do you remember examples where... You had a lot of requirements around what you needed. And you didn't seem flexible on those things at all. You know, you're very particular about beds and pillows. 
you traveled with a specific toothpaste. Like there was a lot of specificity to maybe maintaining a sense of normalcy in home. Well, I'm just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I was necessarily much more rigid than other people. Like I, I certainly have my, and still do have my peculiarities, but I, I think, I think most people get to indulge in those things because their life doesn't require them to challenge it. And I think actually the older people get, the more you know, set in their, their ways they become because there's, no, there's just no reason to ever challenge it mm-hmm. besides living nomadically. And, and yes, I, I, this is maybe one of the biggest takeaways from nomadic living, just the, the freedom I have found in just letting go of things I thought were things I needed. Something as stupid as toothpaste, like having a requirement to have a certain toothpaste when you're traveling doesn't work because then you just have to carry it with you all the time. And that's just added literal baggage that gets in your way of enjoying what you're actually doing. And then finding the freedom of, of letting go of that requirement is one of the best things about nomadic living because that requirement is, it's just holding you back. And, and that's the same thing with, you know, New York, living in New York and requiring to live in New York was as much, that's the same, it's the same thing. It's the same. Letting go of New York was the start of finding that freedom. So I guess I was very persuasive (laughs) in convincing you to do this. So what changed? Eventually you figured out a new role for yourself at work that involved travel. Is that what changed? No, what changed is we kept talking about it and you wanted to leave more and more. You wanted something bigger, you know, traveling abroad and, and being outside of the U.S. And at some point I had this realization, if I was going to prioritize living in New York, that was a way of holding us back, just limiting our freedom. Like, I, um, one of the reasons I left the Netherlands was to go and explore and to go and experience new things. I guess it, this is also after we had talked about not having kids and saying, if, if we're not going to experience that part of human existence, we should be doing something people with kids can't do, which is traveling. And staying in New York would be a limitation to actually doing that. So it was the realization I should be open to this because if I'm not open to this, then I'm just limiting myself and limiting us. And that's what did it. Because then I started having conversations with Yuka and Natalie and later Wesley. And for me, that accelerated all of it. That was just like the shift. I needed to commit to leaving, basically, or commit to finding a new thing. One of the things we bonded over when we met 
is the fact that we both didn't feel like we belonged in the place that we were born. Is that something you felt while growing up or is that something you feel more now reflecting back? No, I felt that growing up. Not as acutely in that it was driving me to leave, but a lot of the way the Dutch live has annoyed me from a pretty young age or has, you know, just bothered me. Um, Like what? What stands out in my memory about that is it's part of Dutch language. There's a lot of, to me, a lot of false modesty built into the way the Dutch use their language. For the English speakers, the Scottish we is, is there's a version of that. Like in, in Scotland, they'll say a we drink or a, a we something to indicate that it's small mm-hmm. or something small. And the Dutch do that as well. And, that, and it's just by adding the letters J-E at the end of something or T-J-E. But it, and, it, and it gets used in a way that to me always felt like downplaying something, but not meaning it. Like just saying like, I had a little bit of success or something. Or let's have a little drink. Um, and that can usually mean... Let's go out and rage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what does that false modesty mean about the Dutch that bothers you? So it bothered me because it it felt like people weren't being truthful, but also people weren't owning their success. They were trying to distance themselves from what they're good at or what they enjoy. It's always downplaying things and not meaning it, but it has the effect of holding everything back, not just expressing yourself in the way you intend. It's interesting to me that where you went is New York, because that is as opposite as you can get from. Yeah. (laughs) It's all ego, all drive, all ambition. But it's like generally the things that bother me about the Netherlands are how everything is supposed to be, like everybody's supposed to be normal, like act normal. And um, tell everybody what the phrase is. The, the phrase they use is just act normal. That's crazy enough. So would you call that the unofficial Dutch motto? Yeah. I mean, that, that goes back to like the Calvinist era of good Christian farmers. Don't do anything that steps out of line and just do what you're supposed to. And, and that's it. But maybe I should ask you a question. Okay. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's a similar question. Where, where did it start for you? And as you know, what's always been fascinating me is how you at age 13 figured out that you needed to leave and that by starting to work at a young age, you could work your way out of being in Florida. What Mikhail is referring to 
is that when I was 13, I got a job at a restaurant, um, an ice cream shop, which I guess was probably illegal, actually. But I looked older than I was, so I got away with it. And I did it because I was trying to save up to leave Florida. I wasn't happy there, and I knew as soon as I could I wanted to leave, and I felt like the way to do that was to save money. I don't understand why you're so fascinated with it, though. Well, I've always felt like people have a certain distance they can travel from where they were born, let's say. Um, some people stay where they grew up, some stay where they went to college. Other people move somewhere beyond college and, and settle there. And then some people move much further beyond that. And it creates a distance to your family, to the people you grew up with, your friends. And I mean, it's interesting that you already at that age had an idea of moving away from where you grew up. Very few people would have that expectation at age 13 to leave because most people only know the model that they've grown up with, which is people stay where they are. For most people, that option becomes a reality when they go to college. And it, it happens sooner for you. So I'm just curious how that... I don't remember having a mentor or example of that. For me, it might be the pure motivation of not belonging. Like it might have less to do with having an example and more to do with just how deeply I felt like I didn't belong there. In high school, I think the way I got through it was to tell myself that this wasn't it. Like this wasn't, almost like this wasn't my life. My life was going to be something else. And I didn't date at all in high school because I didn't really like anyone. I had to tell myself there's people out there that I'll have more in common with. I think it was a coping mechanism because I needed hope to get through what was a rough, depressing time for me. I think belonging is the expectations of other people, like family. I, I was talking to a colleague about, she had just been on a vacation and saying like, oh, I wish I could stay in Italy. And I started to talk about what we do and, and how much we enjoy that and, and how good it can be out there, basically. And she said, yeah, my family would never let me do that. And that is, on the one hand, I guess, shows her level of belonging with her family and I guess accepting that in order to belong to a group of people, she has to stay there. If you embark at any point on nomadic living or even the steps before it, moving to a different country, moving to, to a different state, moving far away from what grants you or where you belong, quote unquote, you have to take that leap of, of letting go of that yeah, or, or being freed from it. And I think for me, what freed me from it was actually my parents moving to France. 
I think that was a big shift for me in discovering my own freedom, basically. And the fact that they were over there and we were an eight hour car drive apart. That was a beginning of me finding that freedom to move further. I'm curious going back to, if we look at the timeline and the Towards the end of 2019, we figured out a change in my job that would free us from New York. And I'm curious if you had expectations of what it was going to be like. No, I didn't. Thinking back to it, it feels kind of crazy how little I thought about what the experience would be like. I don't think I thought about it at all. I think what filled my time was thinking about the logistics of getting to become nomadic, like selling all our stuff, like shutting our house down in Brooklyn and getting rid of a significant amount of stuff because we wouldn't need it. But kind of how much was too much or how much was too little. But the, just the logistics up until we left. I didn't really think about what would happen after we left. I don't remember us ever talking about what life would be like or what we wanted out of it. Yeah, it's interesting because that's how I moved to the U.S. as well. I was just focused on getting getting the visa and getting everything organized. And not really for a moment was I thinking about what it would be like on the other side. And I guess it's just, I don't know, just a leap of faith or... or just Maybe that's a, the only way you can do a leap of faith is to not really... Yeah, just go for it. Just just commit and f figure it out as you go along. But I find it interesting that I wasn't even like daydreaming about it. Like, like, oh, what will it be like? Yeah, well, that's how I felt about going to New York. I thought it was weird that I wasn't imagining more about doing it. I guess it's just a, a thing that felt like you had to just experience it in the moment, maybe? I don't know, it's just... Or it could be a really good way of not putting expectations on something. Yeah. I don't know if we're smart enough to do that. <laughs> I don't know if that's it, but... I, I guess if you dream about it too much, then maybe it doesn't even work, because then, because it's always gonna be different than... That's what I mean about expectations. Yeah. Like, I get people asking me all the time how I do this stuff and I I don't know how I've done it. I don't have a good answer. Yeah. I had already broken up with New York in my head and I emotionally was ready to go. I feel like it's really about making my mind up and then once my mind is made up, that's all that needed to happen. Not really many of the logistics about how we were going to live because I guess I trust myself to figure that out in the moment. But in a way, it's kind of like people who buy a house sight unseen or people who just, they visit a city once and then they decide they want to move there or, you know, some, you hear people do stuff like that. There's lots sometimes. of blind faith. Yeah. And, and maybe it's a feature that you need to have in order to be able to do it. Like if you think about it too much, you, it might prevent you from actually doing it because then that might also open up worry 
and doubt, doubt and concern and and overthinking it and getting stuck in all of that. Um, but I'm seeing a pattern here. My my big risky decisions and leaps of faith are a result of going through a hard time. I left Florida because I felt like I didn't belong. I left Portland because I had a bad breakup and my company that I ran came to an end. And I left New York because I lost my job and had severe anxiety. And I think there's a desperation to all of those moves. I'm like desperately trying to change my environment to change my attitude and outlook. I think one of the ways I've dealt with any depressive feelings is to move because it feels like the one thing that has always worked for me. And is that something that you feel happens to you or you have any opinions on? Yeah, it resonates with me because at times where I felt stuck or I've seen other people be stuck or depressed, I've always felt like a big shakeup is the thing that, that gets you out of it because it redirects your attention to, to something other than the thing that's bothering you, whether it's moving or a new job or I guess a new relationship or ending a relationship or just a big, a big jolt to the system. And it moving certainly is that making a big move can take you so out of the situation that it can be a solution to a bad situation. You've written about being afraid that you're running away from something. But I think it's not running away. It's running towards something that is a better situation. And I think a big move can do that. Yeah. I don't know where I got that idea that I was running away from my problems. I feel like someone said it to me or suggested that I might be doing it once. And it's like, it really hit deep. And I think I've wondered about it ever since. I think I've had a lot of shame and embarrassment around a lot of the situations that I left. And so that's why it's been hard for me to feel empowered about them. Just talking through the pattern of what's happened to me and what I've done about it, I think, I think it is the solution that always works for me is when I'm deeply unhappy, I need to be in a new environment pretty far away from the environment I'm currently in. I was thinking about it. My first moves out of my family's home, I had two really bad situations. Both were roommate problems. The feeling I remember from those situations is feeling so uncomfortable in the space of where I was living. I hated being there. And I, re I just remember feeling really like powerless and never wanting to ever feel that way again. Like, I think I'm incredibly sensitive to my environment. And it may be because of those situations that I am so sensitive to my environment. Getting away from a bad situation, some people might frame it as giving up. But I mean, it's not giving up. If you look at the other side of it, you're 
forced to discover all these new things and learn about yourself and learn about new places. And I think that's really valuable. So digging deeper into all of this, how do you think our life as nomads functions under this? The first thing I want to say is I, th I think you never really get stuck because you don't get to get feel stuck. You're always challenged to figure things out, which is just this vitamin for the brain to be inspired and to, it works on lots of levels. Like it's figuring out how to navigate a country or a city, even simple things like the fact that money is always a different value. Like you're always yeah, thinking about that. You're learning new languages or learning more of a language. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably my favorite thing about doing this. The fact that there's always more stuff to discover right outside your door. So you're not going to get stuck. Well, I think I have a busy brain and I can attribute that to OCD or just call it a busy brain. And over the last couple of years, I've realized that being a workaholic is the way I fed the busy brain. I've been reading a lot about how overachievers and workaholics are, are it can very often overlap with OCD. But in a way, I think nomadic life is the best cure I've found for a busy brain. That discovery element does something really specific for me in feeding my brain, essentially, like keeping things interesting and challenging and surprising. And it really keeps me happy being barraged with money, language, culture, food, challenges. Yeah, and I also think for you in particular, all the research you do is probably a place to put all that energy. Yeah. But it's a very it's a very positive version of that because you you get the reward of having done the research and finding the great lunch spots in Mexico City and etc. Um you channel that energy into a positive well, yeah, I was channeling that energy into work before this. And that definitely had some awesome results and it had some very dire, scary results. So this does feel a lot more of a positive situation for me. How do you look at the question we get asked most often, which is how long are we going to be doing this for? Is there an end to this or do we keep doing this? Right now we don't have plans to stop, but I can obviously see if one of us has a health issue or a family member has a health issue or there's a reason we need to stop, we will. That's my standard answer. But given what we've just talked about, how good it feels for my brain... <laughs> and how healthy it makes me feel, that's why I don't really want to stop. I do think it's possible to keep traveling for 40 years and it never get old. 
I can see the the not having the stuff and not having a home getting old. But now that we're used to it, it does feel normal now. It feels like the thing I've been looking for. So I don't see stopping unless there's an outside force that, you know, needs us to stop. I think there's different aspects to this than not having stuff. That feels very hard to come back from. Like it feels very hard to imagine having lots of stuff again. Yeah. But I'm also reminded of when I was first living in New York and really enjoying it. Talking to a friend about just the idea of, okay, what do you do after New York? Like, how can you ever top something like New York? Like, you could go to another city, but it's going to be at best more of the same. Or not the same, but it's it's not going to... Do you think New York is the highest level of a city? So Tokyo and London are at that same level? Yeah, that that's kind of what I mean. Like, you're definitely not going to go back to Utrecht in, in the <laughs> Netherlands and, and just live there. That's too big of a step back and excitement basically and i guess nomadic living is like the it's the one wild card like it's the other thing you can do that is different enough where you can spend some time in utrecht because you know you're going to be in paris after and then you're going to be in rome and then you're going to be on the beach in some tiny place and then like it's the um, constant variation that does it I guess being in one place just becomes really hard to imagine now. Our friends that lived on a boat for five years, which is a similar life as us, yeah. I would say, even more wild in some ways. You know, they settled in Costa Rica and are building a house from the ground up, and that's a whole nother adventure. So I could see, I can see adventures like that. But you bring up, if you didn't think there was anything to top New York, is there anything that can top this? Well, I mean, so that's that's just really difficult to imagine. I can see that just living on a boat for five years comes with a lot of challenges, and maybe at some point you get bored of, or just. But people hide. would say the exact same thing about yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. could get bored with some of the challenges that we've run into. I would say living on a boat feels harder to me than than what we're doing, but I, I don't have that context. So, but I I could imagine. Let's say, theoretically, we go to whatever, some town in Colombia, and we get involved with people doing something there. Uh, I think that's also what happened to them. Like, yeah. they, they had friends there or met well, friends I, there. I think community is the thing that would top it. Yeah. Would, so you, would th- be the allure. Yeah. So I could see something really exciting happening in a place would be a reason to stay. A project. For a time. Yeah. Um, I I guess that what I'm maybe getting at is I don't expect we'll go back to somewhere where we've lived before. No, I, I don't either. I see us finding a place where there is something happening that makes us not want to leave. And that will be the end of it. But I just can't imagine us living in New York again or in the Netherlands, or any of the places where we've lived. Yeah, I can't imagine that either. Because that's always going to have to compete with what we've experienced living out in the world. 
And a new place doesn't have to compete in that way because that can provide new excitement for a long time. The other thing I can see for us is I can see maybe not living in one place, but living in three places. Right now we're really into Mexico, Italy, and Greece. I can see mm. spending time in a city like Mexico City and spending time in a, a mountainous countryside in Italy and you know a beachy situation in Greece and bouncing between those three in a year. Yeah, but I think that would be a version of what we're doing now. Like I don't think we could afford owning a place in, in three of those places. So it would still be a nomadic version where maybe we seek out new places less and go back to old places more because we want more of the familiarity. Um, maybe. You're making an interesting distinction. I wasn't thinking about the buying a, a house or apartment in those places or not. I think buying property has become something we're uninterested in. We could rent the same place in three places, build community in those places, have reasons to return. Having the stability of a sort of quote-unquote normal non-nomadic life in multiple places at once without owning property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does feel more likely that, that we would stay somewhere for a year or two years, but probably still have it on the horizon to at some point move on. Yeah, slowing our process down even further where we stay in a country or, or a city as a base for a year or longer seems more likely to me than actually settling down in one place forever. Yeah. I could also see getting more hardcore in a way, like more intense. What um, do you mean? Um, traveling with even less stuff. Traveling with less stuff. So it's just easier to move around like a version of backpacking, especially when I don't have to work anymore. Yeah, just planning less and being more open-ended. I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I am booking the places we're staying out six months in advance. And I would love to have the freedom of not having to have a Wi-Fi requirement in a place for you to do Zoom calls. And to be able to, we're loving a place, let's stay another week. We're loving it still, let's stay two more weeks. And then we're not feeling it, let's get out of here. Like getting into that, the backpacker rhythm and routine. What we're talking about now is is kind of why it's so hard to imagine not doing this because what we're talking about now is just a search for even more freedom. And that is, it's addictive to get more freedom. So the idea of turning that around is just becomes harder and harder to imagine. Well, and I think that's the answer to our question right now. What tops New York City for us was nomadic life and what tops nomadic life is even more freedom in nomadic life. We recorded this episode in Phoenix, Arizona, Panahachel, Guatemala, and Nosara, Costa Rica. I edited this episode in Panahachel and Antigua, Guatemala. 
To hear more about my adventures, subscribe to my Substack. You can find it at theserialtravelist.com. And for mini guides to the cities we visit, check out my stories on Instagram. My handle is at Aaron Rackman. If you've got a question or any feedback, email me. It's Aaron at theserialtravelist.com. Thanks for listening.